Chapter 17 Everyone take in as much air as you can, I said again. We're going deep. We dove and swam almost straight down. Down, down, leaving the bright barrier behind. Away from the sun. Away from the light. Away from the air that we needed just as much as humans did. I echolocated a school of fish ahead, just below us. But we weren't there to eat lunch. We swam through the fish. And still we headed down, down until we could see the ocean floor beneath us. We leveled off and skimmed across the ocean floor, like low-flying jets racing at treetop level, over waving fields of seaweed, through darting schools of fish, over jutting extrusions of rock encrusted by barnacles and home to a thousand bizarre crabs and lobsters and urchins and worms and snails. Ahead was a ridge, a sort of long, low hill. We sailed over it. I'm starting to feel like maybe taking a breath would be a good thing, Rachel said. How much further? We all saw it at the same time. Saw it, yes, but could hardly believe it. I've become used to seeing impossible things. Aliens, spaceships, my own friends turning into animals. But this was just plain mind-boggling. It was round, as round as a plate, a very large plate. From one side to the other, the diameter must have been half a mile. It was covered by a transparent dome. Clear glass, or whatever it is the Andalites use for glass. And within the dome, protected from the crushing force of the water, was what looked very much like a park. A park, in a plastic dome, at the bottom of the ocean. There was grass, more blue than green, but it still looked like grass. There were trees like huge stems of broccoli, and other trees like orange and blue asparagus spears. At the center was a small lake, crystal clear blue water. From the water grew fantastic, transparent green crystals and shapes like eccentric snowflakes. Whoa, Marco said. Man, Jake commented. Is this what you expected, Cassie? Rachel asked me. I, I had dreams. I saw flashes of something, but this, this is unbelievable. I think that may be a hatch down there, Marco said. You see that part that sticks out? Let's try it, Jake said. I can't hold my breath much longer. We arced down toward the part of the glass dome that seemed different from the rest. As we got closer, we could really begin to feel the size of the dome. It was like approaching one of those huge stadiums where they play football, but even bigger, if you can imagine that. It's a hatch, Rachel reported. She was a little ahead of the rest of us. It's some kind of glass door. On the other side, there's a little room, then another door that leads into the dome. There's a little red panel beside the outer door. Let's either try it or surface, Marco said urgently. That red panel, that's got to be the doorknob, Jake said. Here goes. Let's hope this works. He pressed his beak against the panel. Instantly, the outer door opened. We should try this one at a time, see if it's safe, 
Marco said. Not enough time, I said. My lungs were burning. I needed air. The four of us swam in through the outer door. There was a second red panel. I punched it with my beak, and the door closed, sealing us into a small glass room. We could see out and up into the ocean all around, but the side leading into the dome was opaque. I knew we'd end up in an aquarium sooner or later, Marco said. The water began to drain from the room, slowly, a little at a time. This opened an area of air at the top of the enclosure. I raised my blowhole and sucked in blessed oxygen. Okay, let's morph, Jake said. I had already started. By the time the enclosure was half-drained, I could stand on my own human feet. We made it, Marco said after his mouth reformed. I don't know where we made it to, but we made it. The enclosure was empty now. The four of us stood there barefoot, dressed only in our soggy morphing outfits. There was one last red panel beside the door leading into the dome. Ready? Jake asked. As ready as I'll ever be, Marco said. Jake pressed it with his hand. The door slid open. I felt a wave of warm, incredibly fragrant air rush in. I caught a glimpse of... then a brilliant flash of light. And suddenly, I was unconscious. Chapter 18 I opened my eyes. I was staring straight up. I was on my back. Above me, I could see the ocean all around. High overhead, fish swam by, sparkling. Higher still, I could see the bright barrier between sea and sky. But it was very far away. I rolled my head to the side. Jake was beside me, still unconscious. There was blue grass under my head. I looked the other way. Yeah! Do not move. I stun you to see what you are. But if you move, I will destroy you. He stood on four delicate hooves, looking at first glance like a pale blue and tan deer or antelope. But he had a strong upper body, like a mythical centaur, with two small arms and many fingered hands. His face was almost triangular, built around two huge almond-shaped eyes. There was a small vertical slit where his nose should have been, and nothing where his mouth should have been. From atop his head rose twin horns, only they were not horns. They each ended in an eye that turned this way and that, independent of his main eyes. He seemed gentle, quizzical, almost delicate, until you noticed the tail. The tail was like a scorpion's. It was thick, powerful, and ended in a wicked scythe blade that literally glittered along its razor-sharp edges. I knew what he was. There is no mistaking an Andalite when you see one. And there was no question about what he was holding in his hand, either. It looked a lot like a Yerk Dracon beam. He was pointing it at me. The others were waking up all around me. What the... Oh, Marco said. Please tell me that's a real Andalite and not Vister 3. Suddenly, without warning, the Andalite's tail arced forward. The blade stopped inches from Marco's face. Vister 3, do not speak that name, the Andalite thought spoke. Okay, Marco said slowly. Whatever you want. We are friends, I said. I do not know you, the Andalite said. But he withdrew his tail, and Marco started breathing again. You called me, I said. 
We've come to help you. Called? You heard my call? He fixed all four of his eyes on me. What are you? Human. A person of Earth. I have seen images of your kind. My call was to my cousins. How did you hear it? I don't know, I admitted. I heard it in my dreams. So did a friend of mine. We guessed it was an Andalite. We wanted to help. What do you know of Andalites? My people are not known to humans. You do not travel the stars. You know only your own planet. My elder cousins have taught me this. We knew one Andalite. We were with him when... when he was killed. The Andalite narrowed his main eyes. Who is this Andalite you say was killed? I searched my memory for his name. He had told us, but it was a strange, long name. I can't remember all of his name, but part of it was Prince Alfangor. The Andalite jerked as if he had been hit. His entire body seemed to quiver. His deadly tail arched high in the air. Prince Alfangor? No one could kill Alfangor. He's the greatest warrior ever. No one could kill him. Someone did, Jake said. We were there. Who? Who do you claim killed Alfangor? The one whose name you don't want us to speak, I said softly. The Andalite held his head high, but his tail sagged and dragged down to the grass. He lowered his weapon. He was my brother. Did... did he die well? In battle? Jake answered. He died protecting us, and defying the Yurks to the end. At the very last moment, he struck with every weapon he had. The Andalite closed his main eyes for a brief moment. My brother was a great warrior. His cousins loved him. His enemies feared him. No more can be said of any Andalite warrior. I was surprised by what Jake said next. I've lost a brother too. He's one of them. A controller. The Andalite opened his eyes. And you, human, do you serve the Yurks or fight them? I fight them. We fight them. With what weapons? Do you have powerful weapons? Only the weapons your brother gave us, I said. The power to morph. Alfangor gave you that? It is never done. He seemed disturbed. The situation would have been very bad for him to give you the morphing capability. The situation is worse than you think, Marco said. The Yurk seems to know you're here. Some piece of Andalite wreckage washed up on the shore. They are up on the surface right now. For the first time, the Andalite seemed uncertain. What is your plan? To get you out of here and hide you, I said. You came to rescue me? Is this true? Yes. He smiled with his eyes, just as Prince Alfangor had done. You will be tired after this last morph. You will need to rest. A little while, yes, I agreed. What is this? Rachel asked. This dome, I mean. It's like a park or something. This is the main part of an Andalite dome ship. It is where we live. The engines and the war bridge are a long section that sticks out from the bottom, with the dome perched on top. Like a mushroom or an umbrella, I suggested. The Andalite just looked blank. Never mind, I said. During the great battle in orbit over your planet, the dome was separated from the rest of the ship, 
Why? The Andalite dug at the grass with his forehoof. I... I was too young for battle, by the laws of our people. Besides, the rest of the ship maneuvers better without the dome. You're a kid? I mean, like a young person? Marco asked. Yes. Are you the only one left? The only Andalite here? Yes, I am alone. When the blade ship appeared unexpectedly, they caught us off guard. I saw the main section burn. Dracon beams damaged the orbital stabilization of this dome. It fell. It splashed into the ocean and sank to the bottom. I have been here for many weeks, hoping that my cousins would come for me. Hoping that some survived. Finally, I have risked sending out a mirror wave call. It works by... He stopped and looked embarrassed. I am not supposed to explain Andalite technology. My brother will... He would have been angry with me. Just you survived, I said sadly. Just me, he said. No prince, no warriors. I felt a sinking in the pit of my stomach. I think the others felt the same way. I guess we'd all kind of been hoping this Andalite would be like the prince. A leader. Someone who would take over the battle. Someone who knew more than we did. We're young too, I said. Too young to fight, according to the laws of our people. But still, you fight. We feel like we don't have a choice. Look, we don't even know your name. This is Jake, Rachel, Marco. I'm Cassie. There's one more. His name is Tobias. I am Aximili Escaroth Isthil. We all just kind of stared. Ax, Marco said. Pleased to meet you. Who is your prince? One by one, we looked at Jake. Oh, give me a break, Jake said. I'm not anyone's prince. But the Andalite had stepped forward. He bowed his head and lowered his tail. I will fight for you, Prince Jake, until I can return to my cousins. Chapter 19 This is a Darishul tree, Axe said. He pointed to one of the asparagus-like spears that grew straight and tall. He was showing us around while we recuperated from the morphing. And that we call an Enos Ermarf. What? I didn't see what he was pointing at. That, the way the lake curves forward into the grass, framed by the Derushal trees. You have a word for something like that? I asked. There are many names for the many ways the water and sky and field interact, he explained, and for the way the sun and the moons hang in the sky of our planet and cast their light, in one way or another, on the different aspects of the world. Rachel caught my eye and silently mouthed the words, He's cute. Then she winked. I wasn't sure I agreed. Andalites are halfway between looking cute and looking scary. You can get past the weird stalk eyes and the fact that they don't have mouths, at least not that you can see, but the scorpion-like tail is far from cute. It reminded me of the sharks. You all live here? Marco wondered. I mean, just out in the open? Out on the grass? Where else would we live? Here we have space to run. There must always be space to run. This is actually like being on another planet, Jake marveled. This is all like part of the Andalite world. Yes, we take our home with us into space. It angers the Yurks. He added grimly. Why do they care what you take into space? Marco asked. 
It is part of everything they hate and would destroy if they could. The Yurks would take our world and make it as barren as their own, as they will to your planet unless they are stopped. I grabbed Axe's arm. What? What are you saying? What do you mean about making the planet barren? He turned his big eyes on me. The usual Yurk pattern. Once a planet is under their control, they alter it to suit their own desires. They will leave enough of the planet and animal species to keep their host bodies fed, humans in the case of Earth, and the rest they eliminate. He said it like it was obvious, like it was just something I should know. He started to move on, but I held his arm tightly. Wait, wait, I don't think I understand you. What do you mean they eliminate species? They eliminate them. They will make Earth as much like the Yurk homeworld as possible. They will destroy most of the plants and all of the animal species except those they eat. I let go of his arm. I rocked back and grabbed at the air for balance. I felt like I had been hit by a car. No, I whispered. That can't be. You're just saying that because you don't like the Yurks. The others were staring. No one was moving. Axe looked around at us. His eyes narrowed. Don't you know? Don't you know whom you're fighting? We know they take over people's minds, Rachel said weakly. Yes, and that is one of their great crimes. But the Yurks are more than that. Yurks are killers of worlds, murderers of all life, hated and feared throughout the galaxy. They are a plague that spreads from world to world, leaving nothing but desolation and slavery and misery in their wake. I felt cold, small and weak and cold and afraid. I looked around, but even the inviting, lush, andalite landscape did nothing to warm me up. Up in the sky and all around us, I felt the immense pressure of the ocean waiting to rush in. There are only three races left in all the known galaxy that still fight the Yurks, Axe said proudly, and only the andalites can stop them. How long until your people return to Earth? I asked. He hesitated. One of your years. Maybe two. Two years! Jake looked stricken. I went to his side and slipped my arm through his. Five kids against an enemy that has destroyed half the galaxy? Five of us? Axe gave him that smile. The one he did with his eyes. Six, my prince. He said. Six? Well then, Marco said with grim sarcasm, with six it shouldn't be any problem. How did these Yurks get this far? Rachel demanded. How did this happen? If you Andalites are so tough, why didn't you stop them a long time ago? How did a bunch of slugs who live in dirty ponds manage to become so powerful? Axe looked at her. I am forbidden to tell certain things. Rachel's eyes narrowed dangerously. You're telling us all of planet Earth may be scheduled for a destruction, and we are the only thing standing in its way, and you're going to keep secrets? I don't think so. The Andalite looked angry, but no angrier than Rachel. Look, um, I feel ready to morph again, I said, interrupting the tension. Rachel was angry because she was afraid. What Axe had told us had shaken her. It had shaken all of us. I guess we felt enough pressure already. We didn't really need to think that every living thing on the planet was depending on us. It was kind of a lot to handle. Cassie's right, Jake said. 
It's time. Let's get going before it's too late. I followed him along with the others as we crossed alien land, heading for an environment just as alien, the ocean. I wished I could forget what Axe told us. I wished I could stop seeing the pictures in my head of an earth without birds and trees, an earth where the ocean was empty and dead. Don't you know whom you're fighting? The Andalite had asked. Yes. Now I knew. Hey, Phantomorphs. It's your host, Daniel. We're going to make this one quick because I am cooking my dinner right now. It's some chicken thighs. Don't want to let those get burnt. But thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. Yeah, I don't really got anything uh, else to say about that. That's that it is what it is. Um we met Axe today. Uh his voice is going to change a little bit between a couple of these chapters, I think, but it, it's just mostly hammered out at this point. Uh if you liked what you heard, you can hear more at audiomorphs.podbean.com or you can search audiomorphs on iTunes. If you want to reach me, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com It is almost time for me to set my chicken down to low heat, so I will leave you with that. Happy Hanukkah to those who celebrate it, and happy Friday to those who don't. I'll see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. We fight.